Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. In London, I'm Stefan Cohn. And I'm Andrea Ballard, also in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. On today's very special bonus episode, we're wrapping up our fall festival month by reviewing our caramel sauce from last week, awarding our coveted blue ribbon to our favorite October recipe, and in honor of Halloween, talking about some fun and festive treats to help add to the sugar high. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Listeners, if you notice a little extra giddiness in our voices this week, it's because Stefan and I are together side by side in a room, so excuse the squealing. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to have a quick trip over here for some work, and of course I couldn't come over this way without popping in to see Stefan. So we are together to record and to shop and maybe even get a little baking on if we have some time. So we can't wait to bring you this very special episode this week. It is a very special episode. I'm having a hard time keeping a straight professional face because our faces are about five inches away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, this is a first. This is a historic first episode. Indeed. Andrea, do you want to tell the good people what we have been up to today? We went to a famous um, market called the Borough Market. Yes. So the Borough Market was on my list of places that I wanted to visit in London. I wanted to visit one of those gorgeous outdoor markets that you hear so much about. And we rode the tube to get there. So that was fun. And um, then we walked across the Millennium Bridge and had some beautiful views and then popped into a market that for those of our listeners who live in Seattle, this market made Pike Place Market look tiny. (laughs) So it is um, just absolutely fabulous. The first thing we saw was a bread baking school, it looked like, and bakery, yes, Yes. and um, fresh fruits, all kinds of seafoods, fresh cheeses, fresh uh, sausages and meats. We spent a lot of time in a spice store. I mean, it just went on and on and on. It did. And then we popped into a Prosecco bar. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the other great thing about Borough Market is that they have a variety of food trucks. So we, Andrea had a scotch egg for the first My time. First. Listeners, a scotch egg is a hard boiled egg that is encased in a, usually a pork sausage, and then it's deep fried. So it's a, just a beautiful bundle of goodness. You had one of those. Mm-hmm. And let's see. You had an Indian I had Indian dish. curry, a veggie, yeah. veggie Indian mm-hmm. curry, which was really good. Mm-hmm. And then we tried that deep fried onion thing yes. as well, yes. which was, I can't remember the name. I can't. Also good. No, I can't pronounce it or remember it. And then we were going to have dessert, but I think our eyes were bigger than our stomachs. So we skipped on that, didn't we? We didn't have dessert. No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Well, there were so many samples too. It's true. So yes. Yes. We got to try lots lots of yummy things. So um, I saw some fruits that I hadn't seen before. I saw the fabulous Bramley apple that Stefan raved about just a few episodes ago. Um, 
I saw all sorts of cheeses and mustards and jams and, of course, a tea store. And we spent a lot of time in the spice store. Yeah, and I think for, for me that was really affirming just to think about if there's a specialty spice I need, especially in a smaller quantity. Oftentimes I find that those spices I just need for one particular recipe, and then I wind up with this whole box or container mm-hmm. or something I'll never use yeah. again. So it was it was so thorough, didn't you think? There was just spices from all over the world yes. and things yeah. we'd never heard of and lots of samples to taste that too. And vanilla bean and vanilla bean paste yes. and vanilla bean powder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a great place. That was a wonderful way to start the day. So, um, and then of course, a stop at a bookstore on the way home where I went straight to the cookery section and um, got to look at all of the books here. And then I realized about halfway through that if I bought any of these books, they would all be in grams and not milliliters. (laughs) Yeah, and cups, which I could do if I had to, but it's not the easiest. Yeah, and I'm still, I'm hoping that I get better at doing that quickly, mm-hmm. but I'm still working it out, and it, then it just adds, yeah. you know, to their time and all of that, so. Well, listeners, right before I popped over to see Stefan, I was able to attend a cooking class in Paris, and so um, I did want to share really quickly the pastry that we made there because it was so much fun. Um you might remember from our last episode, episode 49, when Stefan talked about her Victoria sponge cake, that it was a cake made without measurements. It was one of a, a, a recipe that is based on proportions, and that's exactly what we did in this cooking school. So we did um, a proportion of, um, we made an almond pastry cream, and so it had almond flour, pistachio paste, eggs, and butter, and it was just all by weight. And um, we piped that into a ramekin, and then we took pears that we sliced very, very thinly and some figs that we sliced very, very thinly and placed those just directly over the top and baked those in the oven. And they were beautiful. They tasted good. Um, They were gluten-free because it was almond flour, so it was just a big hit all around. It was a fabulous dessert. I loved seeing your pictures and knowing about your cookery school. I think um, there's so many of those here in London, and that's something I really want to explore as well. From they go from a day Mm -hmm. to there's there's other courses that are you know weeks long. You meet every Tuesday night or something, and it's a great way to become more expert in a specific. We were looking at one in the catalog that was the perfect macaroon, right? And it Uh, was a full day, day. yeah, because that's how long it takes probably. So (laughs) there there was a perfect macaroon full day course, and then there was a Christmas macaroon full day course as well. What do you think a Christmas macaroon is? I think it's pistachio with red filling is my thought, but I have no idea. I mean, oh, you're going, it will be I'm the, going the with col- color. Christmas color. That's, I, I, that's what my first thought was, but I don't know. Maybe it's a peppermint. Maybe it's a flavor mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. We, I might have I to come back. I guess we have to take that <laughs> <Yes>. course. <laughs> At Le Cordon Bleu. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. It's been a great, it's been a great visit so far. I'm so glad. I'm so happy you're here. Me too. So listeners, we are going to jump into our review of the caramel sauce that we introduced in last episode. And um, in a preheated first, uh, we are going to issue a cautionary tale from this caramel sauce. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and made this recipe. And after I did, I told Andrea, just hold on to your horses and let's chat about it before you make it. So this is my saga of the caramel sauce. <laughs> oh, no. So let me ask before you start, have you made car- homemade caramel sauce before? 
Yes. Okay. I have made homemade okay. right. caramel sauce before. Okay. And so you knew kind of how to do it and what it should end up looking like. Right. Okay. And so essentially caramel sauce is melting down sugar, boiling it for a bit, watching it very carefully to be sure because it can burn in an instant. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. And <laughs> then adding some butter and some recipes also, I'm sorry, adding cream. And then some recipes also add a little butter, okay. vanilla, um, you know, sea salt. You can kind of flavor it from there. So Okay. Let me just start by saying that this recipe does specify, it says, you know, you need to watch it really carefully because it, um, when you're boiling it, you're looking for a kind of a light brown amber color Mm -hmm. and you can boil it anywhere from five to 12 minutes for that to happen. Does that seem like a long time to you? That seems like a pretty wide range. It did to me as well. Like I could see five to seven minutes, but five to 12, that's almost doubling the boiling time. Right, right. And so um, there I am, and I'm, I'm being very careful, and I you know, have my phone's off, and I, I don't have the kids in the house, and I'm, I'm really paying attention. And it burnt in about 30 seconds. Ugh. And here in England, listeners, you may not know this. I did not know this. The smoke detectors in England <laughs> sound like the end of the world. Oh, no. They are... <sighs> excruciating they go house wide so the entire house goes off and the ceilings in our house are very high you know this now yeah i can't reach it to turn it off so i am jumping with my towel trying to wave it around to get the smoke out i finally i just took the pan outside and then i climbed up on a chair unfortunately there's two in the kitchen i had to hit them both oh my gosh finally I mean, years off my life. Right. Years off my life. Yeah, that is stressful. So, and then if you have never, you really haven't lived until you have cleaned up a pan full of burnt caramel. As soon as you said that, my next thought was, did you just have to throw the pan away? Almost. Yeah. 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 Maybe I should have. I would have maybe saved myself some agony. Cleaned that up, tried it again, no burning, but again, I boiled it a minute max Mm. it really really went quickly i don't Mm. know if that's down to the fact i have an induction stove i i'm not exactly sure this time the flavor results were terrific very flavorful this was a salted caramel version so had i used some of your victoria uh, vancouver island Mm -hmm. sea salt fabulous here's the next thing that happened Uh i when i think of caramel sauce i think of great thing for ice cream right okay yeah Put it on the ice cream, it cracked. Oh, it didn't flow. When you say put it on the ice cream, did you? So it was not pourable. It was pourable at that stage. So I, I oh. took it out of the pan, put it in a glass jar. Okay. I don't know. It it was said it would firm up, you know, over right. time. I had left it on the counter, went about my day. It's dessert time. It was pourable at that point. It was thick. Definitely yeah. had thickened up. Pourable. Put it on the ice cream. Immediately hard crack stage. That is crazy. So it had turned into like a hard, you know, um, what are those candies? Werther's Originals? Right. Yes. It had yes. turned into a Werther's Original. Uh, oh. So great flavor. I wasn't making mm. candy. I was making sauce. So right. to prove to myself that I wasn't going crazy, I referred to one of my favorite cookbooks, Classic Home Desserts by Richard Sachs. I've talked about it in the past. Right. And I made a caramel sauce from that that worked beautifully. One big difference is the proportion of butter to cream was different. Mm. Um, it was a lot more cream. 
Oh, which would keep it from turning into something that would crack, more right. like a candy. Right. Huh. So I know that we are going to step into Intimidation Station in December to talk about candy making, homemade candy yeah. making. So maybe we will talk more about what happened here, what was going on, how to avoid that. Again, flavor good, could not eat it well. And not what I wanted to use it for. That's why I had right. to say stop, stop. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it because there's nothing worse than wasting good ingredients. So that would have been upsetting. You had two ruined batches. I probably would have ended up with two ruined batches. And there's yeah. just no just no need for that. Right, right. No. So listeners, if you have a foolproof caramel recipe, will you please send it in? <laughs> or please, know what happened. What happened chemistry-wise. Please so. send. We would appreciate it. Ugh. I know. I know. All right. Well, our thoughts in fall uh, are turning to Halloween, and let's do a quick chat about Halloween uh, here in London and Halloween, how it's handled differently in terms of costumes or food or all sorts of things. So, Stefan, what are you noticing so far about Halloween? So it's the middle of the month as we're recording this, and there is, do you see any jack-o'-lanterns? Do you see any decorations? Do you see any of that? Um, I saw, so in Burroughs Market, I saw one pastry stand had some Halloween cookies, Mm -hmm. and they were very artisanal. I mean, they were beautiful. Yes. So um, I don't, I guess I I mentioned that only to say that, like, it didn't strike me as something for kids. Um, Mm. You know, it was, it was, those were pretty nice cookies. Um, I think I saw the, a couple of the sandwich boards outside of pubs on our walk saying, like, come to our Halloween fancy dress party or come to our Halloween pub event. But that's pretty much it. That's, that's what I saw. Yeah, I would um, agree. The rollout here has been so much slower than I think we're used to. I'm used to after, like, immediately school starts and boom, like, mm-hmm. the aisles are just crammed full of all your candy and, you know, costumes, everything. So the rollout is much, much smaller scale. Uh, Halloween jack-o'-lantern pumpkins just arrived in the market last week. Um, and so it's it's just getting going slower. And I'm, I'm kind of liking that. I like um, I like the idea of Halloween and decorating and all of that, but just the the rush to get my candy, which I end up just eating anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, all of this. So Best delayed. Um, so what we've heard is that trick-or-treat is definitely a trend that's gained in recent years. So mm-hmm. our kids plan to, to do that in the area, the neighborhood where we live. My son will have a Halloween party, but it won't be until after Halloween, actually. So oh. it's kind of nice you get to um, – you know, prolong the costume and all that that you've you're spent your time on. So, um, but we wanted to talk about a few fun kind of um, treats, yeah. or if you were having a party of your own, something like that. Um, Andrea, since you're here, I can show you. But look at this donut. Oh, that's a donut. That is beautiful. So we're looking at a picture of a donut that's frosted to look like the night sky, and it is a new trend you may have heard about. It's called a galaxy dessert. And it is decorating like donuts, cakes, cookies, macaroons to look like the starry night sky. So isn't that beautiful? That is gorgeous. And it looks – it doesn't look um, gory or anything like that. It's just Mm -mm. that nice kind of, you know, mystical kind of spooky Mm -hmm. Halloween-ish. I love that. Yeah, So those would be cute on our pumpkin donuts. You could do something like that if you you wanted to. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was my favorite grocery store here in London called Waitrose. They give out recipe cards regularly, and they have one this month for something they're calling a poached pear ghosty. And it is a little, I'll post this on our Pinterest and our um, website too, preheatedpodcast.com. But it is a poached pear, so a whole pear that you've poached. And then it has two little, I think they're black currants for eyes. Okay. Dried blueberries. Dried oh, blueberries. Okay. And then they're sitting in a little um, raspberry jam. Mm. And the thing that I love is this is not just another like mm-hmm. chocolate. You're already really overloaded. So it's really festive and right. cute. Pretty easy. But it's not like more flavors that you might be right. really tired of. Not to mention, like, you know, fruit. You can right. feel, feel good about that. Yeah. So yeah. those are the poached yeah. pear ghosties. Well, the other reason I really like those is I have been to a few Halloween parties where people make desserts that um, fall on the gross scale. Mm. Or not even desserts, but just dishes. So things like um, cold spaghetti and they put melon balls in it and then they call it like brains and eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So um, these ghosties are very cute and they also look delicious. So that's yeah. more my style. They yeah. look palatable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally. I love so. that. Um, so if you have other Halloween treats or anything, please share them on our Facebook group. That'd be really fun to see what you guys are baking up for Halloween time. Yeah. Yes, please. It is time to vote for our favorite <laughs> October recipe. <laughs> Stefan and I always award the coveted blue ribbon. So we each give a blue ribbon to the dessert we made in the month that was our favorite. Um, the ones we made this month were the Amish apple dumpling, the pumpkin cake donuts, the Victoria sponge, the Valencia orange cake, and the homemade caramel sauce. So listening to the top of the show and the review, I'm going to guess the homemade caramel <laughs> sauce is not going to get the blue ribbon. But of the others, which one is it that you're going to go with? I have a very controversial answer. <gasps> I'm going with the Amish apple dumpling. Oh, I okay. kn- yeah. I know they made you angry, but here, <laughs> here's why. Mm-hmm. I loved that pastry crust. I will make that oh, yeah, again. Yeah. So for me, a win and a blue ribbon is something that I'm going to make again. I've learned something from a takeaway. I can use that crust not only for an apple dumpling, but for just a regular pie mm-hmm. or, or anything else. So that's going to get my blue ribbon. I'm really wondering, though, Andrea. I know it won't be that one, and right. it won't be the caramel, so that's no. two gone. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm going with the Valencia orange cake, which you did not make. That was in our challenge yeah, right. episode. So, But I, I picked it for a similar reason, which is it's gluten-free and dairy-free, and it's right. naturally gluten-free and dairy-free. And if you are bringing a dessert to a party, it's so nice to bring something that um, people who have those sensitivities can enjoy. And so it was really good. It was really dense. It reminded me a lot of that um, cranberry upside-down cake oh, we yeah. did mm-hmm. early on, maybe like episode six or seven. And um, it, it's pretty. You know, you can put mm-hmm. it on a pedestal. Uh, it is a cake, but it's not an intimidating one because it's only one layer. It doesn't have any frosting. I think if I did it for my family, since we're not dairy-free, I would do, you know, maybe some fresh whipped cream on top mm, and yeah. maybe a little bit of an orange peel or something on that to make it a little bit prettier because it is, it's a little bit plain. But um, yeah, I think that's the one I'm going to go with, the Valencia orange cake. That's awesome. So both of those recipes are on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. And you should let us know what you really enjoyed this month of October. We had so many celebrations. Yeah. So festive. It was very festive. 
Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to the dishes. Join us next week as we kick off a very special anniversary and birthday month. That's right, Preheated is turning one in November, and Stefan and I each have our own birthdays to celebrate. We also have an all-star lineup of sweet treats and memories to help us celebrate in style. You can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, or download us on Google and Apple Podcast, where we'd love it if you subscribed to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which help other people find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.